last week, <coughs> sorry, if you were here, um, we looked at four kinds of healing. Uh, we looked at spiritual healing, which is the forgiveness of our sins and restoration of relationship with God. We looked at physical healing, which is obvious healing of the body. Uh, we looked at uh, emotional healing, healing of the heart. Uh, we all carry wounds. We all carry scars. We all carry hurts. And God is as interested in our hearts as he is in anything else. And then also uh, deliverance. A deliverance from any kind of demonic activity, whether it, in whatever way it forms itself. And we looked at how these four kinds of healing are interlinked. That although we said that they were four different types, they're actually related to one another. And you can't really put them in separate boxes. Um, so often, uh, our, what, what goes on in our hearts affects our bodies. As someone once said, our bodies keep the score. And uh, what goes on in, in, our, in our spirits, in, in, in our relationship with God, uh, also affects other aspects of our lives. What I want to do this morning uh, is look at the, the whole subject of, of hearing God speak. And the reason we're doing this little mini-series is uh, we've noticed that over the last months, maybe because of all the things that are going on in our world, you know, whether it's Ukraine, the threat of nuclear war, the planet uh, and the environment going wrong, inflation, um, uh, COVID, the effects of COVID, whatever else, that there is a, a kind of a hunger for God that we haven't seen for a long time amongst folk. In our church, we've had um, some of you uh, who might be here uh, coming from nowhere and, and just wanting to start coming to church and uh, finding us on uh, the internet or watching us online. Uh, and then uh, when you worked out that you thought we might be safe, uh, you came in person and then discovered we weren't very safe at all. I wish you stayed online, but it's too late now. And, uh, and we've noticed that there's a, a, a longing uh, in for people to come closer to Jesus, to be known by him and to know him, uh, but also uh, to hear his voice, to hear him speak. And uh, this morning isn't going to be a, a Bible study as such. It's going to be really practical. It's more like a seminar, if you like. And and the aim is just long to stir up among us uh, the gifts of the Spirit, especially the gift of prophecy, because we need everyone to be going for it, uh, not just a few. We need the whole church, because it takes the whole church to reach the whole world. And uh, the model that we've seen of uh, the anointed few standing on stages and doing all the ministry isn't, isn't not only is it not biblical, it's practically uh, not, very, not very efficient. Um, when it comes to the, the ministry of Jesus, um, it's the, the whole church to the whole world. And so this is a kind of, uh, a little bit of a reminder for most of us, and maybe some new stuff for some of us about how we hear God speak. And the first thing I want to say is, um, I sometimes get folks saying to me, oh, God hasn't never spoken to me. And my answer when someone says that to me is, oh, I'm sorry, then you're not a Christian. Um, because you can't be a Christian uh, if God has never spoken to you. Because how can you respond to God? When 
To be a Christian is to respond to the love of God. And so if you're a Christian, if you've given your life to Jesus, God has spoken to you, except you thought he only speaks in one way, in, in, in Charlton Heston um, voice, uh, very deep and very, very holy and very religious. You know, God is always speaking and he calls us. I want to suggest the problem is for most of us, we're not listening. Uh, God never stops speaking. Our problem is we're not listening. And uh, another thing that people say, when people say, oh, I, I, I just hardly ever hear God speak. My, my, my next question is, um, do, do, do you read the Bible? And if the answer is not really, it's like, well, that's, that's the first clue then. Because uh, if, if you're not reading the flipping book where he speaks, how can you hear him speak? Um, and, and this is really, really important to get into the Word, to get into the Bible, to, to, to not just read it out of religious duty, but to let it feed you, to let it sink into your soul and your spirit, to hide his Word in your heart so that you might not sin against him. That's what the psalmist says. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. And, and also, um, I think there's some wonderful aids to reading the scripture. Um, there's some commentaries by people like Professor David Ford, by N.T. Wright, the former Bishop of Durham. Uh, there's great commentaries by Spurgeon, uh, by who, who else? Others, say, say someone else. There's great commentaries by some of these theologians and then there's some great books by some of the top theologians. One's called Storylines uh, by myself and Andy and another's called Lifelines also by myself and Andy. And you know, you can read the lightweight stuff, N.T. Wright, or you can delve deep into the deep stuff. Uh, and commentaries can be helpful. I love them. I love reading what others have written uh, about, um, about the Word of God. I love studying a book, and, and I don't know, particularly John's Gospel. I think I must have about 10 different commentaries on John's Gospel. And I love, I love that. But the best thing we can do is when we start to read the Scripture, is to ask the one through whom the Scripture was written to interpret it for us. Holy Spirit, would you speak to me as I read your word? Would you bring it to light? Would you give me revelation that's, that's, that includes head knowledge, but that is more than head knowledge? Would you give me revelation that, that speaks deep to my heart? Um, and, and, and actually, it's a really good thing before you ever open the scripture to ask the Spirit, to ask the Holy Spirit to help you, to interpret, to speak to you through the word. And if, we, if we're not in the Word, then we'll struggle to recognize God's voice outside the Word because every other way he speaks needs to be um, tested by the Word because he doesn't contradict himself. And so it starts there. But there are a number of other ways uh, that he speaks. And uh, one of the ways can be called the gift of prophecy. And uh, I just want to look at a couple of things that Paul says. In fact, one thing that Paul says, it really is one thing, but it's separated by a chapter. At the end of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the very last verses, 
now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And then Paul pauses in what he really wants to say and in his important stuff to write a whole load of stuff for, a, for weddings, okay? So he does this stuff for weddings. Just ignore that. It's a load of mush. And then he goes back to his argument at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 14. So he ends by saying, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And then if you get rid of the wedding stuff, he then goes on to follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Now you put those together, that suggests that the gift of prophecy is, is a higher gift. Is a higher gift. Why? Why is it? Paul says two verses later on in 1 Corinthians 14, because anyone who prophesies speaks to men and women uh, to, uh, for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. And last time I checked in on the church of Jesus and on the world, we still needed a little bit of strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. And just to save me a couple of emails from those that are watching for the first time online, um, everyone giggled quietly when I said about 1 Corinthians 13, um, because they know that I was kind of joking. I, I just wanted to say that to save you, you know, writing to me. Um, thank you, um, the lady from Aberdeen. Um, anyway, going back, should I not have said that? Oh dear, well, it's come out of my mouth. And uh, you know, sometimes you think things and you think you, when you get older, you think you've just thought them, but you say them. And you think, did, did I, I actually said that, didn't I? I thought, I thought it. Well, that's what happens when you get older. So I'm now at the dangerous stage of life. I could, I, everything could go horribly wrong. But anyway, we want to go back to the scripture. Eagerly desire. Paul says, eagerly desire. It, what that doesn't mean is, well, Lord, if you want to speak to me and speak through me, that's fine. You can do it. Uh, no, 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 no. Eagerly desire. Ask. Seek. Knock. Keep going. It eagerly, I looked up eagerly desire in the original Greek, and it means to desire with eagerness. It's what I do before lunch. I eagerly desire. You won't get that from N.T. Wright or Spurgeon, I'm telling you. And, and, that, and that means it's an, it's an active thing. We press in. We push in in order to do that. And um, uh, how do we do that? How do we do that? Uh, first of all, it's recognizing that it is a gift that we're meant to eagerly desire. It's freely given. It's not something we earn. But at the same time, it's like parallel, um, parallel lines on a train track. Both are true. Um, it's, it's actually our birthright to hear the voice of our Father. He, he always speaks and he wants to speak to us. And he speaks to us all the time. And again, I want to say most of the time we're not listening. Our friend Wayne Drain, what a name. Our friend Wayne Drain has this saying, 80% of prophecy is simply paying attention. And the way he speaks, and we don't understand this, is he whispers, he doesn't shout. He, he shouts to his enemies biblically, and he whispers to his friends. It works like this. He will say to me, Mike, I want to talk to you about something. 
And I say, Lord, can you speak up? I can't hear you. And he says, can you not hear me? I say, no. And he says, come closer then. I'm not going to speak up. Can you speak up? I still can't hear you. No, I'm not going to speak up. Come closer. His aim is intimacy. He wants us to come so close that as we hear his gentle whisper, his still small voice, we can feel his breath on our necks. He, he wants, he, he wants, he calls us friends, no longer servants. I no longer call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I have received from my father, I have made known to you. That's a wonderful scripture. You know, and, and friends come close. How do we come close? How do we learn to hear his voice? By stilling our hearts. By stilling our hearts. You know, in, in our circles, um, we, we seem to get the impression that in order to, to get really spiritual, you have to wind yourself up. You know, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray harder. I'm gonna shout in tongues. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, and, and, and we get ourselves into a lather because we think that that's how we're gonna uh, hear God. Some of you may have heard this before, but I'm going to say it again. Um, when I first heard about the gift of prophecy, um, I thought, right, I'm gonna eagerly desire especially. And I went up to my bedroom and I closed the curtains because I've always believed it's more holy in the dark. And I said, Lord, give me the gift of prophecy now. Speak to me now. And I imagined that the way you heard God speak was by tuning in to the right spiritual frequency. You know, like those old-fashioned radios. So I would concentrate really hard and I went like this. And I discovered that that's not how you get the gift of prophecy. That, my friends, is the gift of constipation. Yeah. How can you hear anything when you're uh, like that? And, and that's not it. It's not dialing up. It's dialing down. We need to learn from our Catholic brothers and sisters about contemplation, about being still. We're, we're such activists. And that doesn't mean closeting ourselves in, in a monastery or a, a convent for years. It means stilling our heart even when we're with people. It means saying in a conversation quietly to the Lord, Lord, is, is there anything you want to say right now? Can I pray for this person? You know, I, I was puzzled for years as to why I hear God more when I'm in church and never when I'm in Sainsbury's. And for a while I tried to theologize it. I thought, what is it about Sainsbury's? Is there a demonic stronghold in Sainsbury's? Should I change to Tesco? Please, Lord, not Asda. And there's no way I can go to Waitrose unless they give me a pay rise. And, and, and it was like, you know, is it, is it something about Sainsbury's? And then it suddenly hit me. When I'm in church, I'm listening. When I'm in Sainsbury's, I'm not. When I'm in Sainsbury's, I'm running around all over the place being very, very busy getting things done so that I can come to church. And so, 
you know, like things like for ages, I would get so irritated at the checkout queue. I don't know about you, but I, I have this, this is infallible with me. It's like, it's like my spiritual gift. Whatever checkout I get on always slows down. It's amazing. And I look at two, two lines and I'll count the number of people and I'll count how many baskets and how many trolleys and has someone got overflowing trolleys and I'll make my calculation. I'll get in what I think is the right queue. It slows down and it almost stops. And people turn up five minutes later into the other queue and they're off ahead of me and I hate them. And I'm like, oh, for goodness sakes, what's wrong? I'm not going to Sainsbury's again. Who cares about Nectar card? You don't get anything with a Nectar card anyway. And, <clears throat> and all of that stuff. And, and then, and then I, I would look across to see what the holdup was and I'd see it. Susie. <laughs> trainee. She's got the badge. And suddenly, I hate Susie. <laughs> and I hate all trainees. And by the time I get to Susie, I'm wanting to show her what speed and efficiency is. So as soon as she goes, and as soon as she's gone, I'm grabbing it, putting it in my bag. And the next one. And I'm grabbing it almost before the has finished. And I'm like, you see, you see, this is how it works. This is how it works. And then one day, as I was deep in contemplation and prayer, it suddenly occurred to me that that might not be the most Christian response. It was quite a shock, really. And do you know what I try and do now? I try and pray for Susie while I'm in the queue. And I see it as an opportunity. And you know, there's a lovely verse, I love it, in um, Ephesians. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand for us to do. And I know it means a lot more than this. I know N.T. Wright and Spurgeon would go on and on and on about this, but here's the deep meaning. I sometimes think when I wake up in the morning, Lord, while I was asleep, you were busy going round preparing good works for me to do. And my job is to discover them. Have you got a good work for me to do in Sainsbury's? Have you, Lord? Have you? Maybe have you got a good work for me to do to say something to my neighbour? Have you got a good work for me to do in, in the way I relate to Andy? I hope not. And, and, and all of that. And it changes, it changes the day. And you're looking for opportunities instead of things that... And so, I'll be in the queue... And I look, there's Susie, trainee. I pray for her. I pray for the others. I say, is there anything you want me to say, Lord? Or do you just want me to be kind? That might be a good start. And by the time I get to Susie, I smile at her. And I say, hello, Susie. And she says, how do you know my name? And I say, it says Susie on your badge. And I say, it says trainee. How long have you been working here? Oh, this is only my third day. I'm not very good at this. I'm very slow. Really? I wouldn't have noticed. 
It's, it's all right to lie if you cross your fingers, okay? That's not in the scripture, but I think it might be in the Apocrypha somewhere. And, and my friend from Aberdeen, that's a joke as well. And, and, and <laughs> you liked that, Ruth, didn't you? And, 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 then, and then I say, hey, it's okay. Whenever we start something new, we're not very fast. It's all right. She says, you're the first, she'll say, you're the first person that's been nice to me today. And then all I might do is have a lovely little conversation with her. It might lead to more. Occasionally it has. But sometimes it's just that. And we've left a mark, a mark of Christ, just by being, paying attention, just by listening. Um, uh, one way to grow in hearing God speak is, you're not going to believe this, but when I became a Christian, I was incredibly shy. And I couldn't pray out loud, even in a, a group of seven or eight at the beginning. I would be, I would be shaking. And I would count to ten, and I would, I would work out my prayer word for word. And then by, usually by the time I got to eight, someone else prayed. So I'd have to start again. And the amount of times I got to eight. And then one time when I got to 10, I was so shocked that I forgot what I was going to say. And, and, but what I started doing is I started asking the Holy Spirit to guide my praying, to give me prayers. And that's biblical. In Romans 8, we don't know how to pray as we ought but the Spirit himself intercedes for us, in us, through us. That's the context with sighs and groans too deep for words. If he can pray with sighs and groans too deep for words, he can pray through us through words as well. And do you know what? After a while, I found myself, I would pray a prayer and I would think, gosh, that was pretty good. That was, that was actually quite profound. I must, be, I must be better than I thought. And then I might pray for someone and pray something and, and they'll look at me and say, um, why did you pray that? And the answer is, I have no idea. <laughs> and they say, but you know what? That's the exact words that I used the other day. That's exactly what I feel. Oh, wow. And you don't have to make a big deal. Oh, well, you see, the Lord, the Lord takes over my praying. You know, others, you know, some just pray their own pathetic prayers but I pray in the Spirit. You don't need to do all that nonsense, all that rubbish. Another way, and, and Andy um, told me this, and I, I haven't started doing it yet, but I want to. I'm very excited. What he does sometimes is he goes like for a week or whatever, and um, he prays about who he could text and, uh, and, and a little word of encouragement. And sometimes it's people that he's, he's, not, he's not talked to for ages. And even if it's wrong, someone gets a lovely text. And sometimes, even with Andy, it's Jesus. I'm not, I'm not lending you any money. Stop it. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. Um, yeah, there was one time I, was, I started doing this when I was a student just to practice because I was really scared about giving somebody a prophetic word to their face. Um, so it was easier for me to do it that way. And I went through a month of, of doing it. And I think, like Mike said, actually most days 
even though I was trying to hear the Lord, it just was a nice text that somebody got. And what's the worst that can happen? But then there were a few times where it really felt like, well, it was the Lord. And, and one of those times, um, a girl just came into my head who I hadn't seen for ages. And I just had a really simple picture of an apple and someone had taken a bite out of it. And um, I just felt, uh, and I texted her. I said, hey, I've just had this picture. I feel like the sense of it might be that you, just the Lord wants to say to you, you've only taken one bite out of your life and there's so much more of it for you to enjoy. Um, and she just texted straight back. And she said, that's amazing. You would never have known this. But my fiance and I broke up a few months ago. And this morning was the morning that I was meant to be walking down the aisle to get married. And so to hear that from Jesus for her in that moment was, was life-giving. And, and I just thought, got one, you know? <laughs> now, you see... It, you... I tell my flipping stories and they're better than that one and I get nothing. <laughs> Don't patronise me. Um, <laughs> it's learning to listen. That's all it is. It's learning to listen and taking little steps and it works when we make love our aim. Make love your aim and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. It's not make looking good your aim and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. When you make love your aim, you won't hurt people because love is the aim. You, you step out because you love people. That's how it works. I just want to tell you a, a couple of little extraordinary stories. Um, um, if there's anyone that helped me in this more than others, it's a guy called Blaine Cook, uh, a number of years ago. And um, Blaine just, sometimes hears the Lord like no one I've ever met. And, um, and I always was a bit spooked by him, if I'm honest. And I remember I went to a seminar he did on a physical healing. And um, um, he said, I'm going to do something that the Lord's given me permission to show you what it, what it means to see what the Father's doing. In John chapter 5, uh, Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda and there were loads of crippled and blind people around the pool. But he goes to one man who'd been crippled for 38 years and heals him, just to one man. And later on, partly as explanation, I know it was wider than that, he says, I only do what I see my Father doing. In another place, he says words to the effect of, I only speak the words my father gives me to speak. And basically, Blaine then had five what we call words of knowledge, prophetic words, and they were incredibly detailed. You know, there's a lady here, you're 37 years old, you've got a problem with your left hip, you've had the pain for about five years, um, you're going to the hospital on Wednesday to see about an operation or hip replacement. Where are you? Could you just come to the front? And he had another four like that, really detailed like that, which kind of scared me. <clears throat> and five responded, exactly one for each word. It was so detailed. And they stood, he got them to stand at the front, facing out, not, not to him. He stood on the stage behind, and they closed their eyes. 
So there was no way they could see what he was doing. And he said, this is not a show. I'm doing this in order to show you what can happen when you pay attention and you ask, Father, what are you doing? Can I join in? And so he put his hand over person number two, didn't touch them, and prayed. After a few moments, there was, it was obvious the Holy Spirit rested on them and they ended up on the floor. Then he went to person number five, the same thing. Then person number three, then person number one, and the last one, person number four, and I'll never forget this, but the last person standing was, in the end, was just going for quite a while like this, like this. And then after a while, they went onto the floor and we all cheered and clapped. And he stopped us and he said, hey, this isn't a show. What I was doing is I was asking the Father, what are you doing? Who's next? I'll join in with you. And do you know, I said this before, I've wasted too much of my life telling God what I was going to do and ask him to bless it. It's so much more fun finding out what he's doing and joining in with that and blessing what he's doing. Then there was another time when we started our Soul Survivor Festivals. It was about the third and fourth year in. I asked Blaine to come over to England. He lives in California. And uh, I asked him to come over and um, he spoke um, one night and led ministry and it was wonderful. And then I was going to speak and I said, I'll speak, but then could you come and lead ministry? And Blaine said, no, I won't. And I thought, we've paid your airfare, mate. And, um, um, and then he said, I won't, but what I'll do is I'll come up and coach you and I'll help you. And what he did is he came up on the stage and we had some big speakers on the stage. So he stood almost behind them, behind one of the set speakers. And he said, okay, Mike, now get everyone to stand and invite the Holy Spirit to come and wait until he starts. And when, he, when, when, when you see what he's doing, then you announce it. So I did that. And, and what I'd done up till that, I would invite the Holy Spirit to come and I would wait the regulation 10 seconds and then invite people forward to respond to something I'd said. And he was like, no, that's not it. That's not it. That's religious. And so we waited. And we waited too long. And uh, I felt. And, you know, and, and Blaine kept saying, well done, Mike. Keep waiting. And he said, can, can you see what the Father's doing? And I looked round, and all I could see was these teenage faces looking back at me. And he said, can you see what the Father's doing? And I thought, I can't see anything. And then, he, and then I nearly said to him, Blaine, we're going to have to stop because um, the, these are kids, these are teenagers. They, they're going to start talking to each other. They're going to leave. They're going to be on their phones, you know? But, but he said, you just keep waiting. And then he said, okay, I'll help you. Um, on the right side, in a right, they, they were in blocks. Uh, second block from the front, middle right. Just have a look. In a few seconds, the Holy Spirit's going to start resting on people. I looked, and no one could have heard him say that to me. Somebody slumped to the floor. Somebody started quietly weeping. Somebody, you could see them shaking. And there were all sorts of things going on. And then he said, look up at the balcony. It was when we were in the old showering pavilion. And he said, look up at the balcony. And he said, you see the girl in the green top, in the green T-shirt at the front on the first section and he said in a few seconds the Holy Spirit's going to begin resting on her and he did 
And then he said, now you can announce it. Now you've seen it. It was such a lesson. It was such a lesson. And ever since, I've been asking, Lord, teach me. Show me. Show me how I can see what you're doing. And I asked Blaine once. I was a bit cross because I kept trying. And I said, Blaine, why is it that God does more when you pray than when I pray? And he said, do you really want to know the answer to that? And I thought, I'm not sure I do, but I'm too late now. I said, yes. And he said, he said two reasons. Number one, <coughs> he said, I have a high expectation that God will use me. You don't. It was so true. And then he said, number two, I made an agreement with God that if I thought he was giving, speaking to me, I would say everything that he said and I would not censor anything. And I knew exactly what he meant. Because if I had a word, I thought God was saying, there's someone here 37 years old, um, a problem on the left hip, they've had it for five years, they're going to the hospital on Wednesday. I would turn it into, I think there might be someone here, you might be in your 30s, you've got a problem maybe in one of your hips, and you've had it for a while. Because I think, there's more chance of a response if I do that. I'm being really honest. I'm being really honest. But of course, what I've discovered is there's less chance of a response. Because when it's precise, the person is like, God knows me. He knows what's going on in my life. Oh my goodness. And what I've worked out is the more we eagerly desire, the more we choose to press in, the more we ask God for a, a, a gift of faith, we prophesy according to our faith, it says, the more we see. We grow in it. We grow in it. It's something, it's something um, uh, that, that develops. Uh, and we see God do more. And I want to encourage us as a church. We said last week that we, we, we believe that the Lord's calling us to be a house of healing. And a house of healing for people's hearts as well as everything else. There's so much pain out there. And there's actually, if we're honest, like we said last week, there's so much pain in here. Lots of us carry stuff. And love heals, but also acts of love. And when someone knows, you know all about me, God. You know all about me. I just want to say, finish with a, one last thing, and then we're going to pray. Um, Often for me, and it's different for different people, um, I, I'll get a, like a thought. And it'll be like, that's a funny thought. Why would I get that thought? Could that be you, Lord, or could it be indigestion? You know, there's only one way I can find out. Other people who are more artistic get pictures. You know, I'm just not artistic. You know, and they see balloons or something. And, and it's like, that's great. But we're, we're, he, he works according to our... Our character, he speaks to us in a, in a language we can understand. But also, um, I, I've discovered that sometimes um, the Lord gives you, he, he points, you might be having a conversation with someone and suddenly you just, you just got this, it seems like intuition. It really does. It, it's gentle. It's a, remember, it's a gentle whisper. And, and God points them out to you. And you might just start feeling, having... Uh, just a love for them or a compassion for them. And it's like, why have I got that? That's interesting. And then you pay attention and then God might give you a, a really kind word for them. Um, 
one, the, the one way it shows with me, now, you know what? I don't have, um, in lots of areas, you know, I've, I've done this and it's been quite ordinary, all right? I'll be honest with you. But there's one area that I just, I just love. And um, even though I'm single and I don't have children, for some reason, I've always had a heart for people, for couples who can't have children. And I've had a, just a compassion for them. And, and it's just, why? That's bizarre. And do you know, four times in the last 10 years, um, I've prayed, I've had the privilege of praying for people who can't have children and they've had children. You know, and it's been like the most wonderful thing. But the first thing he does is he doesn't just speak to your mind, he speaks to your heart. And I'll just finish with this story. And um, it, one of those times was about six years ago. I was in California at a church called Rock Harbor that I visit regularly. And I, just this thought came into my mind. Um, there's a couple here. You've been trying to have children for years. You can't have children. And um, you've got an appointment next Thursday um, at the hospital to start fertility treatment. And you were talking about it at lunchtime today, something like that. And I said, if that's you, could you, could you, we'd love to pray for you. Could you come forward? Well, they didn't wait. Immediately, this couple came forward. And as they walked forward, I, I just don't do this stuff. As they walked forward, it was like my heart broke. And I jumped off the stage and I went up to them and I just hugged them. And I just hugged them and I prayed for them. I didn't promise them anything because that's a stupid thing to do. If you get it wrong, you break someone's heart. You know, you don't make, you know. But I just prayed that the, they would know the love of the Lord and that the Lord would be with them. And then they, they left. But I knew what I felt. A year later, um, I was back at Rock Harbour. And on the Saturday evening in my room, I suddenly thought, I wonder if that couple will be there. I wonder if anything's happened. Oh, I hope, what if nothing's happened? And I just, just that this gentle assurance, the Lord's saying, that you will meet them and it's okay. Just before the 5 p.m. service, this lady came up to me and all she said was, I don't suppose you remember me. And I started shouting. I embarrassed myself. I stopped being English and became Greek. And, and I was like jumping, yeah, because she had a stomach that I could only dream about. You know, it was bigger than mine. And I found out she was due in three days. And then her husband came up and she, she said to me, after you prayed for us and we walked back to our seats, I said to my husband, I said, I think I've just got pregnant. Now, just hold on there. <laughs> <Let's>, uh, <laughs> I prayed with her and her husband. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, um, and, and, and it was amazing. And, and something like that has happened four times. Now, I'm, I'm going to go to heaven with the joy of that. And what it is, is not, uh, I got it right. Because I'm not as shallow as Andy. I got one, you know. <laughs> For me, it was God broke my heart. And, um, and so it was out of... <laughs> See? Um, 
And you see, I, my case is proved. He talks about, I had a picture of an apple and someone took a bite of an apple and it was, someone, it was someone's wedding and it was... Uh, uh. I have that. He gets... I get ha, ha, ha. No, don't, don't. No, 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 no. It's miles too late. It's miles too late. You know, you'll miss me when I'm dead. I'll stop now. Anyway, I think I've landed. I think, which is, yo, nodding, yeah, yeah.